Book Twenty, Chapters Seven through Eleven of the City of God. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Darren L. Slider, www.logoslibrary.org. The City of God by Saint Augustine of Hippo, Book Twenty, Chapter Seven. The evangelist John has spoken of these two resurrections in the book which is called the Apocalypse, but in such a way that some Christians do not understand the first of the two, and so construe the passage into ridiculous fancies. For the apostle John says in the aforesaid book, And I saw an angel come down from heaven. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. Those who, on the strength of this passage, have suspected that the first resurrection is future and bodily, have been moved, among other things, specially by the number of a thousand years, as if it were a fit thing that the saint should thus enjoy a kind of Sabbath rest during that period, a holy leisure after the labours of the six thousand years since man was created, and was on account of his great sin dismissed from the blessedness of paradise into the woes of this mortal life so that thus, as it is written, one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day, there should follow on the completion of six thousand years, as of six days, a kind of seventh-day Sabbath in the succeeding thousand years, and that it is for this purpose the saints rise, that is, to celebrate this Sabbath. And this opinion would not be objectionable if it were believed that the joys of the saints in that Sabbath shall be spiritual, and consequent on the presence of God. For I myself, too, once held this opinion. But as they assert that those who then rise again shall enjoy the leisure of immoderate carnal banquets, furnished with an amount of meat and drink such as not only to shock the feeling of the temperate, but even to surpass the measure of credulity itself, such assertions can be believed only by the carnal. They who do believe them are called by the spiritual kiliasts, which we may literally reproduce by the name millenarians. It were a tedious process to refute these opinions point by point, we prefer proceeding to show how that passage of Scripture should be understood. The Lord Jesus Christ himself says, No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, meaning by the strong man the devil, because he had power to take captive the human race, and meaning by his goods which he was to take, those who had been held by the devil in diverse sins and iniquities, but were to become believers in himself. It was, then, for the binding of this strong one that the apostles saw in the Apocalypse an angel coming down from heaven, having the key of the abyss, and a chain in his hand. And he laid hold, he says, on the dragon, that old serpent, which is called the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years. That is, bridled and restrained his power, so that he could not seduce and gain possession of those who were to be freed. 
Now the thousand years may be understood in two ways, so far as occurs to me. Either because these things happen in the sixth thousand of years, or sixth millennium, the latter part of which is now passing, as if during the sixth day, which is to be followed by a Sabbath which has no evening, the endless rest of the saints, so that, speaking of a part under the name of the whole, he calls the last part of the millennium, the part, that is, which had yet to expire before the end of the world, a thousand years, or he used the thousand years as an equivalent for the whole duration of this world, employing the number of perfection to mark the fullness of time. For a thousand is the cube of ten. For ten times ten makes a hundred, that is, the square on a plain superficies. But to give this superficies height, and make it a cube, the hundred is again multiplied by ten, which gives a thousand. Besides, if a hundred is sometimes used for totality, as when the Lord said by way of promise to him that left all and followed him, he shall receive in this world an hundredfold, of which the apostle gives, as it were, an explanation when he says, as having nothing, yet possessing all things. For even of old it had been said, the whole world is the wealth of a believer. With how much greater reason is a thousand put for totality, since it is the cube, while the other is only the square? And for the same reason we cannot better interpret the words of the psalm, He hath been mindful of his covenant for ever, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations, than by understanding it to mean to all generations. And he cast him into the abyss, that is, cast the devil into the abyss, by the abyss is meant the countless multitude of the wicked whose hearts are unfathomably deep in malignity against the church of God. Not that the devil was not there before, but he is said to be cast in thither, because, when prevented from harming believers, he takes more complete possession of the ungodly. For that man is more abundantly possessed by the devil, who is not only alienated from God, but also gratuitously hates those who serve God and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. Shut him up, that is, prohibited him from going out, from doing what was forbidden. And the addition of set a seal upon him seems to me to mean that it was designed to keep it a secret who belonged to the devil's party, and who did not. For in this world this is a secret, for we cannot tell whether even the man who seems to stand shall fall, or whether he who seems to lie shall rise again. But by the chain and prison-house of this interdict the devil is prohibited and restrained from seducing those nations which belong to Christ, but which he formerly seduced or held in subjection. For before the foundation of the world God chose to rescue these from the power of darkness, and to translate them into the kingdom of the Son of his love, as the Apostle says. For what Christian is not aware that he seduces nations even now, and draws them with himself to eternal punishment, but not those predestined to eternal life? And let no one be dismayed by the circumstance that the devil often seduces even those who have been regenerated in Christ, and begun to walk in God's way. 
for the Lord knoweth them that are his, and of these the devil seduces none to eternal damnation. For it is as God, from whom nothing is hid, even of things future, that the Lord knows them, not as a man who sees a man at the present time, if he can be said to see one whose heart he does not see, but does not see even himself so far as to be able to know what kind of person he is to be. The devil, then, is bound and shut up in the abyss, that he may not seduce the nations from which the church is gathered, and which he formerly seduced before the church existed. For it is not said that he should not seduce any man, but that he should not seduce the nations, meaning, no doubt, those among which the church exists, till the thousand years should be fulfilled, that is, either what remains of the sixth day, which consists of a thousand years, or all the years which are to elapse till the end of the world. The words that he should not seduce the nations till the thousand years should be fulfilled are not to be understood as indicating that afterwards he is to seduce only those nations from which the predestined church is composed, and from seducing whom he is restrained by that chain and imprisonment, but they are used in conformity with that usage frequently employed in scripture and exemplified in the psalm, so our eyes wait upon the Lord our God until he have mercy upon us not as if the eyes of his servants would no longer wait upon the lord their god when he had mercy upon them or the order of the words is unquestionably this and he shut him up and set a seal upon him till the thousand years should be fulfilled and the interposed clause that he should seduce the nations no more is not to be understood in the connection in which it stands but separately and as if added afterwards so that the whole sentence might be read and he shut him up and set a seal upon him till the thousand years should be fulfilled that he should seduce the nations no more that is he is shut up till the thousand years be fulfilled on this account that he may no more deceive the nations Chapter 8. After that, says John, he must be loosed a little season. If the binding and shutting up of the devil means his being made unable to seduce the church, must his loosing be the recovery of this ability? By no means. For the church predestined and elected before the foundation of the world, the church of which it is said, The Lord knoweth them that are his, shall never be seduced by him. And yet there shall be a church in this world, even when the devil shall be loosed, as there has been since the beginning, and shall be always, the places of the dying being filled by new believers. For a little after John says that the devil, being loosed, shall draw the nations whom he has seduced in the whole world to make war against the church, and that the number of these enemies shall be as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth, and compassed the camp of the saints about, and the beloved city, and fire came down from God out of heaven, and devoured them. And the devil who seduced them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and shall be tormented day and night, for ever and ever. This relates to the last judgment, but I have thought fit to mention it now, lest any one might suppose that in that short time during which the devil shall be loose, there shall be no church upon earth, whether because the devil finds no church, or destroys it by manifold persecutions. 
The devil, then, is not bound during the whole time which this book embraces, that is, from the first coming of Christ to the end of the world, when he shall come the second time, not bound in this sense, that during this interval, which goes by the name of a thousand years, he shall not seduce the church, for not even when loosed shall he seduce it. For certainly, if his being bound means that he is not able or not permitted to seduce the church, what can the loosing of him mean but his being able or permitted to do so, but God forbid that such should be the case. But the binding of the devil is his being prevented from the exercise of his whole power to seduce men, either by violently forcing or fraudulently deceiving them into taking part with him. If he were during so long a period permitted to assail the weakness of men, very many persons, such as God would not wish to expose to such temptation, would have their faith overthrown, or would be prevented from believing, and that this might not happen, he is bound. But when the short time comes, he shall be loosed. For he shall rage with the whole force of himself and his angels for three years and six months, and those with whom he makes war shall have power to withstand all his violence and stratagems. And if he were never loosed, his malicious power would be less patent, and less proof would be given of the steadfast fortitude of the holy city. It would, in short, be less manifest what good use the Almighty makes of his great evil. For the Almighty does not absolutely seclude the saints from his temptation, but shelters only their inner man, where faith resides, that by outward temptation they may grow in grace. And he binds him, that he may not, in the free and eager exercise of his malice, hinder or destroy the faith of those countless weak persons, already believing, or yet to believe, from whom the church must be increased and completed, and he will in the end lose him, that the city of God may see how mighty an adversary it has conquered, to the great glory of its Redeemer, Helper, Deliverer. And what are we in comparison with those believers and saints who shall then exist, seeing that they shall be tested by the loosing of an enemy with whom we make war at the greatest peril even when he is bound? Although it is also certain that even in this intervening period there have been and are some soldiers of Christ so wise and strong that if they were to be alive in this mortal condition at the time of his loosing they would both most wisely guard against and most patiently endure all his snares and assaults. Now the devil was thus bound not only when the church began to be more and more widely extended among the nations beyond Judea, but is now and shall be bound till the end of the world when he is to be loosed. Because even now men are, and doubtless to the end of the world shall be, converted to the faith from the unbelief in which he held them. And this strong one is bound in each instance in which he is spoiled of one of his goods, and the abyss in which he is shut up is not at an end, when those die who were alive when first he was shut up in it, but these have been succeeded, and shall to the end of the world be succeeded, by others born after them with a like hate of the Christians, and in the depth of whose blind hearts he is continually shut up as in an abyss." But it is a question whether, during these three years and six months, when he shall be loose, and raging with all his force, any one who has not previously believed shall attach himself to the faith. For how, in that case, would the words hold good, Who entereth into the house of a strong one to spoil his goods, unless first he shall have bound the strong one? 
Consequently, this verse seems to compel us to believe that during that time, short as it is, no one will be added to the Christian community, but that the devil will make war with those who have previously become Christians, and that, though some of these may be conquered and desert to the devil, these do not belong to the predestinated number of the sons of God. For it is not without reason that John, the same apostle as wrote this apocalypse, says in his epistle regarding certain persons, They went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would no doubt have remained with us. But what shall become of the little ones? For it is beyond all belief that in these days there shall not be found some Christian children born but not yet baptized, and that there shall not also be some born during that very period. And if there be such, we cannot believe that their parents shall not find some way of bringing them to the labor of regeneration. But if this shall be the case, how shall these goods be snatched from the devil when he is loose, since into his house no man enters to spoil his goods unless he has first bound him? On the contrary, we are rather to believe that in these days there shall be no lack either of those who fall away from, or of those who attach themselves to the church. But there shall be such resoluteness both in parents to seek baptism for their little ones, and in those who shall then first believe that they shall conquer that strong one even though unbound, that is, shall both vigilantly comprehend and patiently bear up against him, though employing such wiles and putting forth such force as he has never before used, and thus they shall be snatched from him, even though unbound. And yet the verse of the gospel will not be untrue, who entereth into the house of the strong one to spoil his goods, unless he shall have first bound the strong one. For in accordance with this true saying that order is observed, the strong one first bound, and then his goods spoiled. For the church is so increased by the weak and strong from all nations far and near, that by its most robust faith in things divinely predicted and accomplished, it shall be able to spoil the goods of even the unbound devil. For as we must own that when iniquity abounds the love of many waxes cold, and that those who have not been written in the book of life shall in large numbers yield to the severe and unprecedented persecutions and stratagems of the devil now loosed, so we cannot but think that not only those whom that time shall find sound in the faith, but also some who till then shall be without, shall become firm in the faith they have hitherto rejected, and mighty to conquer the devil even though unbound, God's grace aiding them to understand the scriptures, in which, among other things, there is foretold that very end which they themselves see to be arriving. And if this shall be so, his binding is to be spoken of as proceeding, that there might follow a spoiling of him both bound and loosed. For it is of this it is said, Who shall enter into the house of the strong one to spoil his goods, unless he shall first have bound the strong one? Chapter 9 but while the devil is bound, the saints reign with Christ during the same thousand years, understood in the same way, that is, of the time of his first coming. 
for leaving out of account that kingdom concerning which he shall say in the end, Come, ye blessed of my father, take possession of the kingdom prepared for you. The church could not now be called his kingdom, or the kingdom of heaven, unless his saints were even now reigning with him, though in another and far different way. For to his saints he says, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Certainly it is in this present time that the scribe well instructed in the kingdom of God, and of whom we have already spoken, brings forth from his treasure things new and old. And from the church those reapers shall gather out the tares which he suffered to grow with the wheat till the harvest, as he explains in the words, The harvest is the end of the world, and the reapers are the angels. As therefore the tares are gathered together and burned with fire, so shall it be in the end of the world. The Son of Man shall send his angels, and they shall gather out of his kingdom all offences. Can he mean out of that kingdom in which there are no offences? Then it must be out of his present kingdom, the church, that they are gathered. So he says, He that breaketh one of the least of these commandments, and teacheth men so, shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth and teacheth thus, shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. He speaks of both as being in the kingdom of heaven, both the man who does not perform the commandments which he teaches, for to break means not to keep, not to perform, and the man who does and teaches as he did, but the one he calls least, the other great. And he immediately adds, For I say unto you, that except your righteousness exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees, that is, the righteousness of those who break what they teach, for of the scribes and Pharisees he elsewhere says, For they say, and do not. Unless, therefore, your righteousness exceed theirs, that is, so that you do not break, but rather do what you teach, ye shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. We must understand in one sense the kingdom of heaven, in which exists together both he who breaks what he teaches, and he who does it, the one being least, the other great, and in another sense the kingdom of heaven into which only he who does what he teaches shall enter. Consequently, where both classes exist, it is the church as it now is, but where only the one shall exist, it is the church as it is destined to be when no wicked person shall be in her. Therefore the church even now is the kingdom of Christ and the kingdom of heaven. Accordingly, even now his saints reign with him, though otherwise than as they shall reign hereafter. And yet, though the tares grow in the church along with the wheat, they do not reign with him. For they reign with him who do what the apostle says, If ye be risen with Christ, mind the things which are above, where Christ sitteth at the right hand of God. Seek those things which are above, not the things which are on the earth. Of such persons he also says that their conversation is in heaven. In fine, they reign with him who are so in his kingdom, that they themselves are his kingdom. But in what sense are those the kingdom of Christ who, to say no more, though they are in it until all offences are gathered out of it at the end of the world, yet seek their own things in it, and not the things that are Christ's? 
It is, then, of this kingdom militant, in which conflict with the enemy is still maintained, and war carried on with warring lusts, or government laid upon them as they yield, until we come to that most peaceful kingdom in which we shall reign without an enemy, and it is of this first resurrection in the present life that the Apocalypse speaks in the words just quoted. For after saying that the devil is bound a thousand years, and is afterwards loosed for a short season, it goes on to give a sketch of what the church does, or of what is done in the church in those days, in the words, And I saw seats, and them that sat upon them, and judgment was given. It is not to be supposed that this refers to the last judgment, but to the seats of the rulers, and to the rulers themselves by whom the church is now governed. And no better interpretation of judgment being given can be produced than that which we have in the words, What ye bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and what ye loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Whence the apostle says, What have I to do with judging them that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within? And the souls, says John, of those who were slain for the testimony of Jesus and for the word of God, understanding what he afterwards says, reigned with Christ a thousand years, that is, the souls of the martyrs not yet restored to their bodies. For the souls of the pious dead are not separated from the church, which even now is the kingdom of Christ. Otherwise there would be no remembrance made of them at the altar of God in the partaking of the body of Christ, nor would it do any good and danger to run to his baptism, that we might not pass from this life without it, nor to reconciliation if by penitence or a bad conscience any one may be severed from his body. For why are these things practised, if not because the faithful, even though dead, are his members? Therefore, while these thousand years run on, their souls reign with him, though not as yet in conjunction with their bodies. And therefore in another part of this same book we read, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from henceforth, and now, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labours, for their works do follow them. The church, then, begins its reign with Christ, now in the living and in the dead. For as the apostle says, Christ died that he might be Lord both of the living and of the dead. But he mentioned the souls of the martyrs only, because they who have contended even to death for the truth themselves principally reign after death. But taking the part for the whole, we understand the words of all others who belong to the church, which is the kingdom of Christ. As to the words following, and if any have not worshipped the beast, nor his image, nor have received his inscription on their forehead, or on their hand, we must take them of both the living and the dead. And what this beast is, though it requires a more careful investigation, yet it is not inconsistent with the true faith to understand it of the ungodly city itself, and the community of unbelievers set in opposition to the faithful people and the city of God. His image seems to me to mean his simulation, to wit, in those men who profess to believe but live as unbelievers, for they pretend to be what they are not, and are called Christians not from a true likeness, but from a deceitful image. For to this beast belong not only the avowed enemies of the name of Christ and his most glorious city, but also the tares which are to be gathered out of his kingdom, the church, in the end of the world. And who are they who do not worship the beast and his image, if not those who do what the apostle says, Be not yoked with unbelievers? 
for such do not worship, that is, do not consent, are not subjected, neither do they receive the inscription, the brand of crime, on their forehead by their profession, on their hand by their practice. They then who are free from these pollutions, whether they still live in this mortal flesh, or are dead, reign with Christ even now, through this whole interval which is indicated by the thousand years, in a fashion suited to this time. The rest of them, he says, did not live. For now is the hour when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they that hear shall live, and the rest of them shall not live. The words added, until the thousand years are finished, mean that they did not live in the time in which they ought to have lived by passing from death to life. And therefore, when the day of the bodily resurrection arrives, they shall come out of their graves not to life, but to judgment, namely to damnation, which is called the second death. For whosoever has not lived until the thousand years be finished, that is, during this whole life in which the first resurrection is going on, whosoever has not heard the voice of the Son of God, and passed from death to life, that man shall certainly in the second resurrection, the resurrection of the flesh, pass with his flesh into the second death. For he goes on to say, This is the first resurrection, blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection, or who experiences it. Now he experiences it who not only revives from the death of sin, but continues in this renewed life. In these the second death hath no power. Therefore it has power in the rest, of whom he said above, The rest of them did not live until the thousand years were finished. For in this whole intervening time, called a thousand years, however lustily they lived in the body, they were not quickened to life out of that death in which their wickedness held them, so that by this revived life they should become partakers of the first resurrection, and so the second death should have no power over them. Chapter 10. There are some who suppose that resurrection can be predicated only of the body, and therefore they contend that this first resurrection of the Apocalypse is a bodily resurrection. For, say they, to rise again can only be said of things that fall. Now bodies fall in death. There cannot therefore be a resurrection of souls, but of bodies. But what do they say to the Apostle who speaks of a resurrection of souls? For certainly it was in the inner and not the outer man that those who had risen again, to whom he says, If ye have risen with Christ, mind the things that are above. The same sense he elsewhere conveyed in other words, saying, That as Christ has risen from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we also may walk in newness of life. So too, awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. As to what they say about nothing being able to rise again but what falls, once they conclude that resurrection pertains to bodies only, and not to souls, because bodies fall, why do they make nothing of the words, Ye that fear the Lord, wait for his mercy, and go not aside, lest ye fall, and to his own master he stands or falls, and he that thinketh he standeth, let him take heed, lest he fall. For I fancy this fall that we are to take heed against is a fall of the soul, not of the body. If then rising again belongs to things that fall, and souls fall, it must be owned that souls also rise again. 
to the words, In them the second death hath no power, are added the words, But they shall be priests of God and Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. And this refers not to the bishops alone, and presbyters, who are now specially called priests in the church, but as we call all believers Christians on account of the mystical chrism, so we call all priests because they are members of the one priest. Of them the apostle Peter says, A holy people, a royal priesthood. Certainly he implied, though in a passing and incidental way, that Christ is God, saying priests of God and Christ, that is, of the Father and the Son, though it was in his servant form and as Son of Man that Christ was made a priest for ever after the order of Melchizedek. But this we have already explained more than once. Chapter 11 and when the thousand years are finished, Satan shall be loosed from his prison, and shall go out to seduce the nations which are in the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, and shall draw them to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. This, then, is his purpose in seducing them, to draw them to this battle. For even before this he was wont to use as many and various seductions as he could continue. And the words, he shall go out, mean he shall burst forth from lurking hatred into open persecution. For this persecution, occurring while the final judgment is imminent, shall be the last which shall be endured by the holy church throughout the world, the whole city of Christ being assailed by the whole city of the devil, as each exists on earth. For these nations which he names Gog and Magog are not to be understood of some barbarous nations in some part of the world, whether the Gete and Massagete, as some conclude from the initial letters, or some other foreign nations not under the Roman government. For John marks that they are spread over the whole earth when he says, The nations which are in the four corners of the earth, and he added that these are Gog and Magog. The meaning of these names we find to be Gog, a roof, Magog, from a roof, a house, as it were, and he who comes out of the house. They are, therefore, the nations in which we found that the devil was shut up as in an abyss, and the devil himself coming out from them and going forth, so that they are the roof, he from the roof. Or, if we refer both words to the nations, not one to them and one to the devil, then they are both the roof, because in them the old enemy is at present shut up, and, as it were, roofed in, and they shall be from the roof when they break forth from concealed to open hatred. The words, And they went up on the breadth of the earth, and encompassed the camp of the saints and the beloved city, do not mean that they have come, or shall come, to one place, as if the camp of the saints and the beloved city should be in some one place. For this camp is nothing else than the church of Christ extending over the whole world. And consequently, wherever the church shall be, and it shall be in all nations, as is signified by the breadth of the earth, there shall also be the camp of the saints, and the beloved city, and there it shall be encompassed by the savage persecution of all its enemies. For they too shall exist along with it in all nations. That is, it shall be straitened, and hard-pressed, and shut up in the straits of tribulation, but shall not desert its military duty, which is signified by the word camp. End of Book 20, Chapters 7-11 through 11. Recording by Darren L. Slider, Fort Worth, Texas, www.logoslibrary.org